Hello, welcome everyone. Um, this is a new intro, so I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to start it every time by clicking that button and turning on that teapot. And uh, I'm going to record a video every day that is going to record while the teapot is teapotting. And shit, it's going to be loud while it does that. Maybe that's a bad idea. Fuck. Well, regardless, I'll just put myself in between the mic and it. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, regardless of the quality of the idea, the real quality of the idea is this. I'm going to do a daily upload. Yeah, that's bad. That's pretty bad. Okay, there we go. It hit the quiet bubbling stage. Perfect. So here's the idea. I'm going to record something every day. And I'm not sure what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the daily something, the morning something or other. This is just like when I started the ch uh, when I started the channel, and I wasn't even sure if my name would be Tiabu. I was like Weebtaku, Anime Ota. Like, what the fuck am I going to name it? I don't know. But I figured out Tiabu, and that's the thing I've stuck with, and it's been pretty good, and it's determined my direction. So I'm going to do something about that. I want to do a video every day, every morning, and I'll upload it directly to YouTube, not to Patreon. Um. Now that means there's there's going to be like some weird shit about that. There's going to be a disconnect between that video that uploads and the weekly YouTube video. And that's 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 weird and I don't know if I need to or can reconcile it. I don't know. Um this is an experiment more than anything else and it's a an experiment in habit forming. Basically the habit that I want to instill in myself is I want to record a video every day and then upload it. Um, and I think that if I manage to do that, first off, I think we'll end up having a lot of really interesting videos over the course of the videos that we have. And we'll have a lot of really short and stupid videos too, because sometimes I'll just do nothing. But I think that requirement is more a seed for creativity than motivation, perhaps. Something along those lines. And I also think that repetition is the key to success. And if I try to have a video every day that's just a video where I can talk about anything or do whatever I want. I mean, like, the video, for, for my purposes here, the video could be a five-second video of the cat, and that would be the video that I upload, and I'd upload it, and I'd call, it, call that a check mark for my video upload for the day. Will I likely do that? Probably, probably not. But it, it fills a few roles and gaps. First off... It's a useful way of updating everybody and keeping everybody apprised of where I'm at. Second, it's a really useful way of forcing myself to apprise myself of where I'm at. I don't really like daily journal or anything like that, and I probably should, and this is going to take the place of that, it is going to be daily journaling essentially to the public, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you about my day so far, it'll usually be really in the morning, um, maybe I'll tell you about the previous day or anything I've been thinking about or, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and we'll, we'll just sort of go from there and I'll upload these videos daily. And that way, like I'm accountable to do it daily, especially if the channel is, or the playlist is called like the daily blank or something. It feels real bad if I don't do it daily. I might not do it on weekends. I might do just weekdays because that seems to be make more sense. But the easiest thing to do is to do everything really consistently from the outset. So I'm just going to say daily. And weekend videos might be, sub. it's the weekend, I'm going back to sleep. And that would, that would be fine. Um, that would be totally fine. I'm going to upload a video onto this channel, into this playlist, every day. And maybe this will blossom into something magical. Maybe it'll turn into a daily podcast or a weekly podcast or something else. Maybe it'll turn into uh, nothing. Maybe it'll turn into a cool collection of memes. Um, maybe it'll... I don't know. I don't know. But as soon as I had the idea... Oh, hey, I could record a video of anything every day, regardless of my current... Regardless of whether I feel like shit or I feel like recording something legitimate, or feel like something that I feel like recording something that will take serious mental acuity, because when I sit down to record a, a, a real reaction discussion video, I'm on, and I need to be on. And, and there's a, there are reasons for that, you know? If I'm not on during that video, I'm going to miss things. And, like, that's inevitable. I'm going to miss things anyway, but I have a responsibility to myself to try to analyze pieces of media as well as I possibly can. And I have a responsibility to you and all future viewers because my videos last forever right I, I i spend an hour or two creating a thing to the hopefully to the best of my ability and then it lasts forever 
So I'd better be putting in some good work during those couple of hours. And if I'm not creating those videos to the best of my ability, I'm knowingly putting out trash. Garbage. That's not, that's not useful. I forgot where I was going with this. So, so there are days, there are days when I don't feel up to recording a full, like a serious thing. You know, if it's Poon Poon Day and I feel like I'm operating at 60% capacity, I don't want to experience Poon Poon at 60% capacity and I don't want other people to watch me experience Poon Poon at 60% capacity because we're not going to get what we would get out of it. And, and there's important stuff there, right? It's like you don't, you don't, you don't go up and try to teach a class, not that I'm really a teacher, but you don't try to go up and try to teach a class when you can't actually speak effectively or think effectively and you know that the things you teach will be misaligned from what you actually know or actually believe or actually think because of some like physical limitation or psychological limitation don't want to do that because there's there's impact beyond just the creation of the video and i, I get that the impact on the other side is that the people who are waiting for the video are get fucked by that right because they're they're actively waiting for a video to come out so there's got to be a balance between the consistency and the ability to come out with a video that's good and the consistency of the quality of the videos to some extent. Because if I force myself to watch a video on a day, to watch a, a, an episode on a day that I'm not up for it, and I shit the bed on a really useful episode, I've hurt myself by not allowing myself the full experience of the thing. And I've hurt all of you by not allowing you the thing that you're here for, which is to watch somebody do their damned best to understand something through the lenses that I have. And that's what you're here for in a, in, in a, a very large way. It's also the social reflection and the mirroring and the, the feeling of community that we build and the fact that we've built a community and it's working and it's good. And it's also because the stories that we watch are actually compelling and they're, they're interesting on their own. And it's also just because that, like, the process of watching somebody else watch a thing it, that you find compelling is very compelling. Ah. But you're here on my channel as opposed to someone else's, because there are a lot of reactor discusser people out there. You're here because I've got some things that I can put into place or some perspectives that I can put on top of a show. And I can't really put those perspectives on top of the show unless I'm operating at 90 plus. Because they're too complicated for me to grasp. I can, I can spend time writing them out and writing them out and writing them out and refining them and refining them and I can get close to what they are. But I'm still, I'm putting these things together. When I watch these shows, I'm learning from them and speaking what I'm trying to learn as I learn it. I'm not like saying what I know exactly. It's the process. It's the, the process of parsing. And that process of parsing is like flow state. And that process of parsing that's like flow state requires and activates, it, it, it activates more of my brain and gets me going, but it also requires that I be, that my fundamentals be aligned. So if sleep is not aligned, my ability to parse the dream narratives of, of the narratives that we watch is greatly diminished. And if, if I'm deeply anxious in the moment or there's something else going on inside my brain that's, that's muddling me, it's going to make the videos bad, but not like bad, not like unwatchable. They'll still be fine, but they'll be more like popcorn and, and less like meat. And I'd love, I, I don't want to come to you with a, with a, a tray full of, of popcorn because while it will fill you to some extent and, and it looks very nice, it only contains a couple hundred calories and it's not going to sustain you. So I want to come and bring you meat. I want to come and bring you like oil i want to bring you food olives like things that are good and things that will sustain you and that means coming to it as as well as i can so there's this balance right i have to i have to do something all the time there has to be something consistently and that's algorithmic too like youtube really doesn't like it when you miss a day of uploading YouTube really pushes your videos hard when you upload something every day. So there's an ulterior motive here, but that's secondary far and away. Like the reason to do this is to make it a habit for me so that every morning I wake up and I get in front of the camera and I record and I get used to doing that and I do it every damn day. Because I think that 
the likelihood that I will then go on to record a full actual video will go up significantly. Like the photography students who were split up into two classes, a quality group and a quantity group. And the quality group was judged at the end of the year. They were told that they would be judged on only one picture. They had all the time that they wanted to make that picture perfect. Um, and then the quantity group was told they would be judged only on the number of pictures that they took, not the quality of them. In every case, the quantity group had better pictures at the end of the, 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 the cycle than the quality group. Because the quality group spent all their time imagining how to make a better thing instead of making more things. And it turns out, turns out that making more things is the way to get better, not theorizing about what the better thing might be. It's really the process of theorize, make, theorize but only a little bit, then make, then test, evaluate, realize that it's flawed as fuck, theorize, make, right? Like, bam, 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 iterate, iterate, iterate. And while that happens on this channel, obviously, because I've made thousands of videos, already like 1,800-something, we're not quite aligned with that. We're not quite aligned with that in the way that, that I used to be. That spirit of constant iteration and change. And the way to align with that is not to just say it, it's to do it. And I think the way to do that is this playlist, which is as yet unnamed but will be the daily something or the morning something or something like that. And um, I'm going to upload a video to it every day. And we'll see what those videos consist of. Maybe they'll be great. Maybe they'll be trash. I hope, I hope people will watch them. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but that'll be sort of a drumbeat of announcements and where I'm at and general like life anecdotes and shit so I'll, I'll do one of those now i haven't recorded cyberpunk edge runners yet it's monday i was supposed to record it on friday i planned to record it on friday i spent friday and much of thursday as well but but mostly friday um in a pretty intense amount of pain um and then saturday as well and then sunday yesterday i've managed to ameliorate most of it or at least i've managed to put my body into a structure that is stable enough for me to move forward and work through the rest of it but i hit a, i hit a point with the with this pain that was untenable i've experienced some relatively painful things um this i think i said was like a pretty constant seven where when i would make certain movements mm, yep mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, it would spike up to near a nine plus, like in untenable, uh, shocking, like no, no ability to to parse that pain levels of pain. That's not very good. It's just not very good. Um, so I've been figuring out what's going on there, and I've been foam rolling and rolling and using a tennis ball and putting myself into various positions and stretching and figuring it out. I figured out really what it is, and I, I knew what it was um, from the outset to some extent. Um, because I started fixing this problem weeks ago uh, during my first acid trip. I used that period as like part of a, a period of self-fixing. And I, I realized that there were some problems in my shoulder, and I started to actually go and like investigate and roll those out in my left shoulder actually roll those out and rearrange the musculature into into a configuration that's more accurate. It's like the way that it should be. And I had to use... Ugh. I couldn't use... Um, I couldn't use the foam roller to do it. It didn't work. It wasn't enough. So I found myself using the edge of a bathtub to try and shove my musculature into place. And that worked okay, but the bathtub isn't very mobile or usable. So I ended up eventually laying my whole damn weight onto a glass kombucha bottle. Now it turns out I've, I've shattered one of these intentionally to see how thick the glass is. These are like an eighth inch thick glass. They're super sturdy. But I used one of these and just rolled my fucking shoulder. And it was agony. Like true agony. Um, if if the spikes of pain when during, mm, during movement are a nine, the 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 pain of putting your full weight against glass digging directly into the spot that hurts the most upon you is 
agony is nine plus ten area like i i probably don't know what a 10 is in pain you know because i haven't i've never been stabbed in the stomach or shot right and i think those are probably among the the pain things that would be real real bad or like stabbed in the kidney right that's one that's supposed to be obscene it, like you just you actually die from the pain is the rumor that i've heard i don't know if that's true somebody fact check me i'd love it but Man, it's fucking painful, and I rolled out my whole damn shoulder, and I gained an immense amount of mobility in my shoulder, and f to a large extent, it fixed my bench press and my overhead press completely, fixing my lat and my, ro my, my rotator cuff, my rhomboid and my trap, and the way that they all attach around my shoulder blade and shoulder joint. There was some stuff that was wrong there, and I think partly that's my sitting position and the way that, the way that I sit at a... I end up sitting at a slight twist because I'm like looking at you, but my keyboard is there and I'm going to work to ameliorate those things. I think the primary issue is that for years I have been deadlifting and when you, you deadlift, you're picking up a weight off the ground and I, I deadlifted for years the way that many people do, which is with a mixed grip and I went over right under left. My left hand, the, le the, the hand that supinated has over years and hundreds of repetitions of a particular strengthening motion has gained a, an imbalanced twist to it. And it's, it's, it runs deep all the way down into the pelvis and then down into the hips and then down from the hips down into the other sides, uh, quad and, and calf and ankle, which is weird, but the body is weird that way. It's, it's balanced weirdly. But, um... I rolled that out and I started to fix it and I switched my grip to being double overhand. I, I, I go hook grip, which is not hook grip, by the way. It's hook grip. It's where your thumb is, where your thumbs are under uh, and you're gripping onto your thumbs essentially. So you're gripping the, the bar like, like this instead of like this uh, or, instead of, or instead of like this. It, it's much stronger but very painful on the thumbs. Okay, fine. I'd rather have my thumbs be in pain than my spine. Fuck my thumbs. Who needs, who needs opposables, right? Well, all of us, but they'll be fine. I, I made the switch and over the past months, my body's been slowly fixing itself and getting more into a, an actually aligned position. But that comes to a head at the core, at the core, as I've been aligning my legs and as I've been aligning my shoulders and upper body, there's the centerpiece, the, the mushy bits that stick together. And they're not, they're not together yet. And so it's like tension here and tension here and, and that continued tension on things that don't want to rearrange themselves in the core is what has caused my quadratus lumbar, uh, lum, lumbar quadratus lumbar. Yeah. Which is the deepest, largest muscle uh, uh, to some extent in the lower back and swings down through to attach to the iliac crest and the hips and up through and attaches to the ribs. And then attaches to the spine. It's like, it's a big core muscle. It's like when you twist, that's the thing that keeps you from just falling apart. When you're like, the fact that our spines can twist is absurd. And it's like an, an, a large number of muscle, muscles holding your spine together when you do that. Our core is incredibly complicated. I mean, it's the center point between our running apparatus, our legs, and our everything apparatus, our whole body. And it's our protective, like protective armor against shocks to our abdomen where all our all our jiggly bits are and all our our poop shoot is which is the important part christ i mean we've got ribs to protect our heart and lungs because if those get hurt we die die but we've got a lot of musculature to protect our core and to enable it to be mo to be mobile and at the deepest level, one of the deepest levels, the quadratus lumbar is there holding things together on both sides, holding everything in balance. And I wasn't in balance. And so, like a build up at a dam, it reached a point of breaking, of painful breaking. And, and the dam is ready to burst. And, and it's a good thing for the river to flow, right? The river flowing is me moving. And that's a good thing, and that's great. And I'd love for the river to flow and for the dam to burst. But it's a painful fucking experience because I'm the dam. And so I'm going to get crushed by myself, by my own river, right? And so I had to crush myself over the course of these last couple of days. I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in abject agony, in, in true pain, pushing on my fucking body to push it into a... Uh, to carve myself into something that can just, not even that can lift a weight, but that can just stand straight up without pain or sit straight down without pain and then maneuver between them.
And so I've been slowly figuring out every position that I can sit in without pain and then how to move between them and how to expand them out so that the whole of my experience is frictionless and without pain and in balance and strong. And that's been my process for the last couple of days. And it's hurt like balls. It's been lovely. I don't think I would trade it for the world. I don't think I would trade it for the world. Because the experience of going through specific, consciously chosen pain, suffering, right, that I choose because I choose to go sit down or lay down on top of this fucking glass bottle and roll it into my musculature until it hurts so much I'm about to puke, and then I push harder, and then there's relief on the other end. And the alternative would be to sit in continued lower-level pain forever. And I think that's relevant to life. Deeply and fundamentally relevant to life. Pain is everywhere. Constant. Low-level. Small. Just an ache. But it's everywhere. It's the pain of trying to wake up in the morning. It's the pain of dealing with your damn boss it's the pain of dealing with your damn friends because they're all you know they're all flawed humans and you hate the parts of them that you hate about them and you love the parts of them that you love about them and that's confusing and hard and there's pain there and conflict there or about the pain of just being because being sucks you're limited you know you're gonna die or how about the pain that other people inflict on other people how about the pain that you can experience when you just look at the news and you see all the pain that people are inflicting on other people for their own for their own reasons insofar as they have them their own their own twisted reasons of course so every, i mean everything is painful there's this low level of of ache and there's a solution to it an ongoing human solution that really works and it is find the thing that's painful and push against it and push against it until it hurts more than you can bear. And then push harder. And push so hard that like you become one with the thing that hurts you is the idea. Push so hard that you become one with it. You fight so hard against the dragon that you incorporate a little bit of dragon into you. Something like that. You, or, or you push so hard against the wall that that you become a wall. That was something else that I found that was really interesting over the course of this this struggle. All of the instrument-assisted soft tissue mus muscle, like myofascial release, which is what, what this stuff is doing when I'm doing the rolling and the, the pressure and the, it's what you're doing when you're massaging and whatnot. All of that, super valuable for getting things loose, but not great for putting things into alignment. The only thing that I found that helped put things into alignment, first off, I could take a stance myself and push against myself against nothing, just on the floor, just uh, take a deep breath and push, and it's like going super saiyan, it's pushing myself, it, literally, via pain, via effort, forcing myself into a better alignment, fascinating, but that didn't work nearly as well as going up to a wall, setting myself properly with all my joints proper, and pushing against that, as soon as I did that, like three things in my back and legs went, pop, click, pop, 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 yeah, we know how to do this. And it made me think something. Humans, conscious humans, maybe consciousness as a whole, as an idea, because it is true, I, I think to some extent, we need things to push against or we don't know where we are. We don't know how to be, how to align ourselves. We are out of alignment unless we're pushing against something worth pushing against. And by worth pushing against, I mean something bigger than us. It has to be bigger than us. And to some extent, we have to know that we can't even push it. Because pushing against a wall that will not move is different biomechanically than pushing against a weight that you think will move. It's, it's, very, it's very weird, but it's true. It's weird. I, I don't know. I don't know why that is. But embodiment in, pro, in part is a feeling, the feeling of feeling the things that are outside of you that limit you. It's the limitation. And we grow by pushing against limitations hard enough that the limitation becomes us for example if your if your limitation is like me that you're not that organized 
the way to fix that problem is to push against it, to put the effort in to organize, the effort in to organize hard enough and frequently enough and consistently enough and habitually enough with proper processes, but to push against it hard enough that the thing that you are bad at, the thing that hurts you, the wall that's stopping you, bam, is incorporated into you and suddenly you are a person who is more organized. It stops being an enemy and it starts being an ally. Right? That's, that's the story. That's the idea. And it's also, ah, it's also the idea at the center of Promare, isn't it? These two opposing forces push against each other so hard that both of them become a little bit more like the other. And in becoming a little bit more like the other, both of them grow individually and together, and they solve the problems around them that they're actually pushing against. Weird. Like, weird, weird that that works. But I think, I think it works. Cool. Super cool and weird. So, that's what I've been doing for the last few days, is finding problems, physical, physical physiological problems with my body and essentially pushing against them hard enough that they are fixed or that they the problem becomes strength the weakness becomes strength the the pain becomes frictionless and joyful movement and the ability to dance more of a dance than I was before because I'm able to move in more ways than I was before. It's really, it's really cool. And it's not just a physical process because it's a psychological process. If you have a hard time reading, push against reading until reading becomes a frictionless part of who you are and you will be able to dance the dance of the great cosmic dance of reading. the great cosmic dance of passing down information across time and space, one of the most valuable things that we've ever invented, the craziest idea that we had. Amazing. Amazing. You can get it. I bring that one up specifically because I've got a friend who's pretty convinced that he's bad at reading. In fact, he's convinced that he's dyslexic. And I think he's not. I don't think he is. I think he just never learned the skill of reading effectively. And I think I, think I can teach him. And, and he's willing to learn. And I'm going to get him a book to teach him so that, so that I'm not the one teaching him because I implicitly know how to read, but that doesn't mean I'll be able to teach how to read. So I'm going to get him a book and I'm going to read the book and then I'm going to give him the book and I'll be able to help him follow through the book, right? And, you know, if he puts in the effort to, to the, the hard effort to read the book about reading books, he might unlock the ability to read books and go from a person who doesn't think reading is fun to a person who enjoys reading and improving himself. Whoa. What a cool thing that would be. It's not just a physical process. It's a psychological process. And it's a generational process. For a generation, we will push against the structures and walls around us that, are, that hurt us and constrain us. Every generation pushes against the walls that hurt them and constrain them until they, and they become part of the structure. They, be, they become part of the calcified structure that exists and change it by doing so. They alter it to be more like the thing that they were pushing toward. They make progress and then they become solidified and they become part of the, to the youth, to the next youth, the problem. But they become part of the more conservative viewpoint, the more, the more keep things the way they are viewpoint because they've already done their part of changing the part that they wanted. The, the boomers are like this, right? The, the baby boomers were very much anti their parents' whole deal, right? And they pushed against those boundaries so hard until they became the wall itself. And our society changed in a lot of good ways, but the boomers as a generation also weren't, were super flawed. And so they calcified their own flaws and good things into the next layer of the wall, the next slightly larger, slightly bigger, slightly more explored wall. And now the next generation is doing the same thing, pushing against the world that the boomers have built, right? The millennials are pushing against it, saying, no, it should be more egalitarian. It should be more, more like this. No, it should be more economically and, and uh, 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 stable and, and fair. And it should be more climatically like integrated. And our, our environment must be more of a part of it. And that's our, our push into that wall. And 
we're in the stage where the millennials are making that switch to becoming the more calcified generation. And we get the new generation of hyper-technologized, super phone-dependent phone Gen Zs. And, and that's not wrong or bad of them. It's just the cycle of finding a thing that hurts, pushing against it so, so hard that you break through, but then you become the wall yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process. And one to be aware of as you age is that you will calcify and your ideas that you lock in, the things that you've found, or the, I said things, the ways of being that you've discovered work over your years will get locked in and you'll become convinced that they're the only way of being. And of course, they're not the only way of being. Because what do you know? The fuck do you know? You're one person. And what the fuck does your generation know? They're... A few, uh, you know, a couple hundred million or maybe billion people. Still, what the fuck do they know? They know a lot. But do they know how to be in the world properly? I don't think so, because I think they're all trying desperately to try to find an answer to that question. And hoping that by pushing on the boundaries of what being is, they produce maybe a better form of being potentially for themselves, the self that will be once they've integrated with the, the being, right? Or like with the way for their future selves. But that future self is not the same as the, the present self. And also to expand the, the, the ring of being or the, the boundaries of being for future not selves who are selves, which is to say children and the next generation who are all yourself because they're all human. But they're not yourself because they're not your individuated human consciousness. But there's still something really validating and, and like psychologically maybe nourishing about trying to expand the boundaries. First off, about trying to expand the boundaries of yourself, it's deeply psychologically nourishing. If you take a person who does nothing for themselves to expand themselves, and you get them to consistently lift weights and do something hard that expands them, they will become a better person. Because they will learn the process of the fundamental process of push against the thing until you're strong enough to push against the thing. Like, it, it makes you stronger to push against strong things. And weights are amazing because they're an endlessly loadable boulder. You're pushing a boulder up a hill, and the boulder is growing at the rate that you are capable of maximally pushing the boulder, right? It's, perf it's perfect, and you can just do that to yourself. And you can organize all sorts of systems to do that to yourself, and that's rad! Fucking cool! But it's also, it helps people. How many, of, of those of you who go to the gym, I know there are a few, how many of you go for, would you say, psychological or maybe even spiritual reasons? How many of you have like like a, a legitimate emotional and spiritual attachment to that place and that mode of being that you enter when you go there, that mode of self-improvement? What if you could expand that self-evidently useful thing, right? Because you went, when you go into the gym and you start doing an exercise, it is self-evidently useful. You know immediately when you're doing it, you're like, yeah, I need to be doing this. And it's like, uh, uh, I have this happen all the time. Somebody will show me an exercise or a stretch or something that I've never done before. And I, my initial response will be, ooh, that looks like it's going to hurt. And then I'll go and I'll try it. And I'll go, oh, God, I need to be doing this every fucking day. This is going to change my life, right? It's self-evidently useful just because it reveals to me my inadequacies, my pain, my inability to move in certain ways. And as soon as those things are revealed to me in, in clear and stark contrast, I feel the responsibility to go and fix them. So what if you could take that responsibility and that nourishing energy of improvement and growth, and if you expanded it out beyond yourself, perhaps just to your closest friends and family, that you would put in work to improve the boundaries of their being. And that, that might mean political activism. Because the people that you know might be people who are oppressed by systems and walls. That could work for you. Or it might be working to make your home or your, your location uh, uh, not just environmentally friendly, but a comfortable place to be. Like physically arranging it in a way that would be comfortable. That takes work. But it might be worth it. And it especially if you're not doing it for you. Or growing a garden. Because 
gardening is the process as well. Gardening is like lifting weights for the world around you. The plants and trees, they know how to grow, but they don't know how to how to push against the world effectively or gain the resources that they need or grow in harmony with each other. And so you can instill order onto the chaos of a dirt plot and garden and help it grow and expand the boundaries of life around you. And that's good for you. Not, not just for them, like fuck them, right? From a selfish perspective. For you, psychologically, it's good to be good to other people. And to and to, to like to to engage in pain to expand the boundaries of being for yourself and for other people. It's good for you to exercise and to read and to to uh, 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 grapple with information that is at the the edge of your ability to understand. It's good for you. It's good for you to run. And to run as far as you can. And it's good for you to lift and swim and lift and lift as much as you can and lift things that are right on the edge of your your ability to, to grapple with them, to lift them. It's good for you. And it's good for you to grapple with broader problems that affect all the people around you. It's really good for you. Fixing relational issues in your home. Well, maybe that's just me. I had I had this thought a while ago that because of my parents' divorce, I may have instilled in myself, like in a a Freudian um, um, evolution of consciousness sort of way, at the the point where uh, uh, psychosexual development um, and the focus of the libido um, um, through to yeah the oral stage bowel and bladder control, uh, the phallic stage, the latent period, the genital stage. Um, it, it doesn't quite work, but the idea that Freud put forward was that at whatever part in your maturation you like stopped or got stuck on, you're going to be kind of stuck in some fractal way throughout your life. Um, and it seems like I might have gotten stuck when my parents divorced and this like unsolvable conflict in my house that I, I couldn't solve. And I didn't really blame myself for it, but, you know, every kid kind of blames themselves for it. And really, it kind of was, like, not my active fault, but the fault of the system that had produced me, right? And, and so my existence did feel like it was a part of it and all, all these things. So I may have deep built into me, in a way that other people do not, this desire to ameliorate and resolve specific conflicts. Because I do have that desire, and it fulfills me more than anything that I know. Because I see people fighting each other and and doing it for reasons that don't make sense, and I just want to resolve it. I just want them to see eye to eye, and and it it lights up my life to try to do that. In some way, it's try it's what I'm trying to do when we're watching controversial shows like Mushoku Tensei. At least it's become what I was trying to do. I I didn't have this actively put into words at the point when I started. But it's become more clear to me as we've moved along through it and as, a, as I've grown, right? It's, it's become more clear um, that part of what I'm doing and what I want to do and part of the reason that I sought out this conflict-ridden show was to try to find some resolution um, and, and find first off, find the truth of the thing. What is the thing? And what, all these people are saying different things about what the thing is. So I wanted to go into it and find out what the truth of the thing was. What is it really from my perspective? Of course, that's flawed because it's just one perspective on it and everybody will have their own. But I wanted to find out what the material is and I had to look at it directly. I couldn't just look at it secondhand. And then I wanted to open the floor to discussion so that I could figure out what people thought about it and try to bridge the gap. Unfortunately, I don't think that a lot of haters of Mushoku Tensei really watched my videos. And that's unfortunate. And it's part of the, the core problem it's like you almost have to trick somebody who disagrees with you into watching your video, you know? Because otherwise they just won't watch it or they'll watch their idea of what it is. That's an idea that comes back to, to Mr. Benz, my art teacher, who taught me draw what you see, not what you think you see. Because when you draw what you think you see, you draw something from all these different angles that you expect that aren't the reality of the thing. And when you, when you listen to someone's argument... When you listen to someone's argument for real, you listen to what they say, and you try to parse it, and you interrupt them to clarify if you need to. 
because cl clearly comprehending what they are actually trying to express and figuring out where your definitions are off before you can actually before you actually argue is crucial to an actual good faith debate when you listen to what you think they're going to say you're already prepped and ready with your artillery out ready to fire back at them because you assume what they're going to say already, right? It's it's what happens when you get people saying, well, I watched the first minute of this video and it all seemed like blank, blank, blank talking points. So I'm not going to go any further. It's like, okay, and that makes sense. You have seen a, enough of the video to judge it unworthy, to judge that you can understand what the rest of the video is going to be. But what if your judgment is wrong? And what if the video isn't that? Well, that would be... That, that might be a problem because there might be things in that video that might be worthwhile for you to hear because the opposing opinion to your own is usually the most worthwhile. Uh, you find what you need in the place you are least willing to look. You might find truth there. But because you're ready to, to fire back at what you perceive the statements to be, you never hear what the statements actually are. And so I, I don't, you know, I... I I don't know how to ameliorate that problem, how to fix it. Because I think that anybody who was anti-Mushoku Tensei, hardcore, and started watching my videos would go, well, this guy's going to come to a particular conclusion about this show, and I don't want that. I disagree with that conclusion anyway. And so by assuming the, the end, they miss all the process of getting there. And that's really unfortunate because I think that the process was valid and is valid and continues to be valid. I think that the thinking that I put into Mushoku Tensei is some of the best that I've ever done and some of the best that I've ever seen in terms of in terms of really deep dive and analyzing some of the elements of a piece of media. Oh my god, understanding that has unlocked isekai as a genre to me. This this just the idea of someone whose life is is unfortunate in some way, wishing for another world and getting magically translated there. It's like, why is that a thing? And the answer is because the current world that most people live in is untenable. Most people live in a state of anxiety, depression, and fear in a world that they feel like they have no control over. Raise your hand if that's you. It was me a couple of years ago. Now I feel like I have a little bit of control over my world. I feel like I have the ability to, to some small degree change the perspectives of many people. And that means expanding their boundaries of being, right? So letting them see more, showing them more of the world because it's, it's awesome, it's beautiful. And I have a, a house that I'm living in that's relatively stable and like, it's nice, but I reached this point of slightly less anxiety and, and desperation and depression. But man, I was, I was living in it there and it felt hopeless. It felt like, God, I wish that I could just be reborn as somewhere else. Because this world is unfair. I've got all these, you know, the isekai idea is I've got all these talents and skills, but nobody cares because they're all like video game talents, right? And maybe that's, maybe that's your own fault for putting all your effort into video games, and maybe it's the world's fault for not working the way that a video game does. Because video games work kind of properly. They, they work in a logical way that we understand, and the real world kind of doesn't. But what if it did? What if it did? What if, just like in a video game, you could put in effort and grind in order to get loot and currency and use that to purchase armor and stuff and things that would make you better? Well, you can. It's just that instead of money, and partly it is with money, right, because that's the physical things and aspects, you gain experience, literally. Like, you do gain experience points by going and fighting stronger monsters in the real world. Video games are... A good model of reality, actually. Like uh, uh, RPGs are often not a bad model of reality. In like a, a psychic way. At least, you know, at least some of the cooler ones. Uh, Dark Souls is kind of transcendent, right? It's way beyond. It's way more psychological and way more interesting. And we got to do an investigation on Dark Souls. Probably Dark Souls 3, because it's the game that I'm most familiar with. But, man. That one's exactly it, right? You, 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 when you kill things, they drop experience souls stuff, but you have to return home and sleep before that actually becomes a part of you. If you die, you lose it all, so you try not to die. But you have a, a chance after you die to go and pick up where, where your forebear left off, right? Like, your dad is gonna die, but you can go and pick up his souls and then take them to the firelink shrine 
and convert them into levels for yourself. All of, all of the wisdom of your parents and humanity going back is stacked up sitting there. All it is is it's sitting in the boss room. You have to go up to the boss again. You have to fight the thing again, even though it killed your dad and his dad and his dad. And you've run this boss 300 times. Even though it killed all of them, you still go up to the boss. You still go and you pick up the souls, right? And then armed with them and with your sword, you fight the fucking thing until you die again. And repeat and repeat and repeat until one day one of you gets it. And then it's over. The problem is solved. You never have to face that boss again. And you get to step through the doorway to the unknown. Through the gray, misty, liminal space doorway into what will open up into the next stage of adventure. A new location to explore with new threats and new rewards. As well as, you achieve some safety. You achieve a checkpoint. Because after every boss, you achieve a checkpoint. A bonfire. A, a place to sit and rest. And level up. And, and learn from your experience, right? Fucking Souls games are stupid. Stupidly good. Like, way too stupidly good. Um, God. But that's... That's sort of neither here nor there. The process is great. And, and the isekai idea is that you have all you feel worthy. And that doesn't match because you're not being treated by the world like you're worthy. Or maybe you don't feel worthy, and that's fair, because maybe you're not. Maybe you need to change that about yourself. Here's the thing. You are as worthy as you're willing to be. The difference between here and the magical isekai world where you have magic and are capable of learning really fast and have these innate skills that are granted to you and people people like you because you stand up for what's right and you're a bit of a hero the difference between now here and now and there and then the difference is just your willingness to experience pain properly directed pain consensually chosen for specific purposes the specific purposes being to improve yourself and to improve the lives of those around you change yourself then change the world when you change yourself you change the world the secret is when you change yourself you do change the world because you're a part of the world baby and you have effects that you don't even know about and the people around you are affected by you. And if there aren't people around you, that's the first problem to solve. Go find people. Now. Because you're going to die without them. Humans die alone. Alone, we, we fall apart and die. If you're alone right now, we need to fix that. I don't know how yet. I don't know how, but we need to fix it. Because it's killing you. It was killing me a couple of years ago. And I'm not alone anymore, and that's the only reason to some extent that I'm alive. So we need to fix it. We need to become less alone. And I've got theories about how that can happen. There, there are ways. Just doing this is a part of it. Just the fact that we feel like we're a little bit face-to-face -face right now, even across a screen, that's a part of it. But it's not complete because we don't have dialogue, right? We don't have back and forth. We need people. And, and speaking in chat forums and rooms and stuff, or video chatting with people, that's a part of it. That's something. It does something. And Dungeons and Dragons is, like, I think some element of the real future. Like, a, a real core element of the future is some level of, of social collaboration that's, like, frequent for everybody. I think it'll make the world a better place if we get a little bit of that, because it'll make people better people. And we just said... If you change yourself, you change the world around you. So if, you, if, if we were to, to help a bunch of people change, how much more would that change the world? Oh, glorious. Glorious. Just like, just like what I'm doing on a very small scale, speaking out what I hope is useful and resonant truth and hoping that it opens the eyes a little bit of anybody so that they can grapple with the world and the pain around them and use, as I have used, use these stories, these great stories these really refined stories that we watch in anime sometimes. Sometimes they're not very refined, and that's fine too. But some of these stories are really well thought through. 
Like the story in Mushoku Tensei is very psychological and I think very well thought through. And you can dislike elements of it, but it's it's a very carefully written text. And then the the Gainax trigger story is like, I'm gonna be watching Cyberpunk soon, and I hope that it fills this gap. I hope it, it fits this this um fits this as well. But those stories seem to be really well put together and have some like some serious value to them. I hope that you can, like I have done, turn those into a, a suit of armor that you're integrated with. Because it's it's not just armor that protects you from the outside and keeps things out. It's your own skin, man. It's your identity. It's what you wear to the outside world. It's a part of you, and it's the thing that lets you be strong in the face of in the face of flames and dragons and death. We put a lot of effort into a sword. The sword is like the the ability to cut truth from falsehood. It's the ability of to parse. It's the process. And you are the sword. But you need some armor because you're vulnerable. And these stories give it to you in the form of if this, then that. In the form of modes of being. Clothing. Like uh, like Goku uniforms in Kill a Kill. Or, or like clothing. Oh. I'll share a perfect anecdote. And we'll probably leave off there because this is, we're getting into it now. Getting deep. Getting, getting long. Oh boy, it's almost an hour of just blathering. I thought this was going to be five minutes. Whoops. Um, dragons. Dragons. I got my second set of letters. The first one I ignored like a fool. I got my second set of letters from the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board for the year of 2020, two years ago. Um, 2020 via the Patreon was the first month or the first year that I made enough money to be even on the IRS's radar. So interesting. Something interesting. I've never actually had to pay taxes. Um, weirdly, like my taxes when I was getting paid in Silicon Valley, they were just withheld already. So I didn't have to really worry about it. I, I, I kind of had them auto done for me and I didn't really care. Um, but I've never gone to a CPA and had my taxes done and I've never done my taxes myself. I've done my dad's taxes, which is weird. Like I've done his and, and I remember when I came back from Silicon Valley, basically I, I came into the house and, and found that he was a, an emotional wreck because he had a stack of letters from the franchise tax board and from the IRS and he knew that he owed them taxes, but he didn't know how to deal with it. And he expected that when he opened those letters, he would find like, you owe $10,000 to the IRS over the past couple of years. And uh, that would just debilitate him, right? Destroy him. So he was, he was scared of endless, endless agony or like a dragon. But the problem is when you don't look at dragons, they get bigger. And the IRS is very much like that. When you don't pay your taxes, they start tacking on fees and your taxes grow. They get worse and the dragon gets scarier. So I remember doing his taxes. Um, and after really writing them out, it ended up being that he owed nothing in taxes and uh, they owed him a small chunk, chunk of money, but something. Well, pretty, pretty darn fucking cool. So we, 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 I slew the dragon for him and, and to a great extent he was saved. And then the next step was refinancing the house and dropping his, his monthly payment uh, uh, from one place to another. And it was like way high and we dropped it way lower and that was, that was lovely. That was great. But that element of being afraid of the mailbox or afraid of the IRS, I saw it start to grow in myself as I got the second set of letters because I had already thrown away the first one. The one that's like, hey, this is, this is just a warning. You haven't paid your taxes yet. So I got the second one. I'm like, this one's more than a warning. I took the letters and I put them on the kitchen counter and I, I was making food. I was, I was uh, uh, heating up food. So I had a fork, a fork near me. I took a stance like kendo kendo's sword stance or or hema sword stance mm. and line myself up against the letters with a fork in my hand i was like no that's not right this isn't right this isn't right kill a kill has it right put the fork down grabbed a pair of scissors and stanced up with a pair of scissors this is my sword of truth and with it i'm going to cut this dragon to pieces and i'm going to feed on those pieces and things will be better and I wrote in my in my phone, I wrote a thing, and this is what reminded me of it. I wrote, the Franchise Tax Board and the IRS are dragons, but they are actually here to help. I will face the dragon and claim my reward. So I stood there for a good minute, staring at the damn thing, feeling the genuine anxiety in my chest and like in my core about this stupid letter. It's like, mm. 
go. And I went and I snipped open the letters and I pulled them out and I read them. And it's like, you probably owe like $600 in back taxes for 2020. Go to this website and start following. I'm like, okay, great. So I go online and I start looking at tax stuff. I quickly get overwhelmed. So I go, all right, fuck it. I'm going to pay the the small fee for TurboTax or something. I'll do some research first, research a, a product, see if TurboTax is really the one that I want. I decided not to use TurboTax, even though I'm sure it would have been fine. I'm sure that any of them would be relatively fine. I used the one called Tax Slayer because it was just like, oh, that's resonant. That's exactly what I want. I'm slaying this fucking dragon. Let's go. I started at about, uh, about 1 a.m. At about 2.30... I had filed my 2020 and my 2021 taxes, and the government owes me about $3,000, which they'll be sending whenever. The first installment should be direct deposit, so probably within a week or two. Second one, I have to mail in the thing, but uh, and then it'll be months later. But still, scary dragon that would have just gotten scarier and scarier if I'd left it. Stand up against it. Deal with the internal pain of facing something difficult. Step forward into the unknown. Fight the damn dragon. And claim your reward. And it turns out that the reward is, is twofold. Well, it's manyfold. One reward is the simple one. I'm going to have $1,500 direct deposited in my, into my account over the next week or two. That's, pretty, that's a pretty nice chunk of little change. I didn't get any of my uh, uh, the stimulus payments. I'm a working member of the citizenry uh, of America at this point. I wasn't a few years ago, but I am now. It feels damn good. It feels damn good. So I'm, I'm going to get a little bit of money, and that's some gold, and that's nice, but there's a bigger reward by far. And that is that I don't. I, when I go back to my castle, my little home, when I go back to my castle, I don't have to sit looking out the window wondering when the dragon will strike and being in fear for my life of some indeterminate future destructive thing, you know? Where, because that's the fear that brews up in my brain, is like, hmm, the IRS is going to put a lien on your bank account and you won't be able to pay for food, and you'll be destroyed, and you'll, you won't be able to pay for rent, and you'll get kicked out of your house, right? These fears that are only slightly rational, only slightly based in fact, and mostly based in anxiety and, and terror, Scissors, the sword of truth. Yeah. Cut up the dragon and build the world out of its pieces like Tiamat. Ah, ooh. Ah, it's juicy. It's juicy stuff. Some of these ideas work. You know, these aren't just theorized ideas. They work. And like, like. They're obvious to a lot of people, and I get that. But when I look around at the state of a lot of young adults in our country and worldwide, it seems that these things are not nearly as obvious as they should be. And it seems like the obvious answer is that the world is trash and you're useless. And that ain't it, man. That ain't it. The world is not trash and you're not useless. Being is good being is good, people are people, and people can be good. And you're a people, and if you can be good, you must. And you can, so be good. And being good hurts, so go find the things that hurt but are worth it, and do them, and you will be good. And the world will be better to you. Now, it won't be good, because the world is chaotic and random and fucked up, but it will be better. And more importantly, you'll be able to manage the pain because you'll have chosen it. And it's way better than sitting stewing in 10% pain all the time for the rest of your life, slowly watching it build from 10 to 11 to 12 to 13. How much better it is to spend five minutes in 100% pain and you're done with it for a year. Or spend an hour and a half in not that painful sequence of doing your taxes, and now I'm done with it for two years, and I made money off of it. <laughs> hurt now to hurt less. Pain is the difference between now and never. Okay, we're going to wrap there. I've got some tea in me. 
Thanks so much for watching this video. This is going to be the first in a weird series that I don't know the name of yet. I hope that this first installment has been somehow useful or valuable. I hope to continue doing these forever. Um, see ya tomorrow, Tuesday, for this, and then for Poon Poon, because I'm going to watch, read Poon Poon tomorrow. When am I going to do Cyberpunk Edgerunners? Fuck, maybe I'll do it right now. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll just do it right now. Okay. Peace y'all. Thanks for watching. Love y'all so much. See you later.